go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Yeah, Mike, when you mentioned assessing the cumulative and you, Mike or Ben Roethlisberger and Marquis Pouncey were the last two that came off the field sitting together, when do you start having the conversation with Ben about his future and, and where he goes from here? Um, I hadn't thought about that, to be honest with you. You know, we've, we've been in this play mode and this compete mode. And so, you know, those discussions and decisions regarding personnel and and, and wrapping a ball around the season and getting an eye toward what the future looks like, those things will begin happening in, in the upcoming days uh, and weeks. Well, there's Mike Tomlin and Kurt. We're wrapping a bow on the season. I don't know if we saw that thing coming. 28 nothing in the first quarter. I don't care who you're yeah. playing. I don't care who you're playing in the playoffs, man. You get down that much, there's no freaking chance. And I know they made it interesting in the third quarter and they fought to the end and all that, but it's hard to forgive them for the way they started the game. The first play snapping the ball into their own end zone and not letting the Browns get to that ball. I mean, there's just so much to nitpick there, but uh, I guess where we're going with this show is we got to start talking about 2021, unfortunately. What, what do you, what do you yeah. think about that debacle on Sunday night? Well, I think it was just, you know, I, I don't think you can, you can point a lot of fingers at the sort of the traditional reasons that, that the Steelers have lost games they shouldn't this year. I mean, you, you have a high snap, one bad interception, one not so bad interception, and you're down 21 nothing. You know that that fast, you're down 21 points. You could tell that the the Steelers came out wanting to run the football. Well, all that goes out the window when you're down 21 nothing. So, whatever their plan was to kind of diversify the offense, that disappeared in about seven and a half minutes when they were down 21 points. So. They, they had to completely shift gears at that point. You know, I just think that, I you know, I, it's small consolation, but the, the Steelers, after that onslaught of 28 straight, you know, they outscored the Browns 37-20 from that point on. I mean, they, <laughs> crazy. They, they, they outplayed them from the second quarter on, really, but there just wasn't enough. I mean, that, that touchdown right before halftime was a killer. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was tough. I mean, th- you thought they were kind of getting a little momentum, thought they were going into the half with with a little bit of momentum and then to give up that touchdown right before halftime there's just no no real excuse for that at that point the defense you know they had an opportunity there to hold go into the half feel like they can rally and and going down you know giving up that last touchdown was just a killer they came out and played well i mean you don't you know, uh, I said Roethlisberger was both the, the MVP and the, the scapegoat of the game. I mean, he he had four turnovers, but he also threw for 500 yards. <laughs> so, I mean, you you know, how do you how do you do that as one man? You're the, the reason that your team lost and the only reason your team didn't lose by more, you know, at the at the same time. So just a, just a strange turn of events. Uh, I think they like I said, I think they had to just throw the game plan out halfway through the first quarter and the offense especially just never really you know never really got it where they wanted to I mean they scored 37 points you can't can't fault them for scoring 37 points but I think that once you saw Pittsburgh kind of making a rally you kind of hope to see some see some fire out of the defense and you just didn't no turnovers no sacks 
kind of, you know, you were kind of hoping maybe that they would see the offense kind of bringing things together and, and the defense would step up. But then Alex Highsmith got hurt. So we had, you know, Cassius Marsh play an edge rusher. Not a good thing. Opposite TJ. Yeah, when as he a, plays. As a Patriots fan, I'll plays, tell you, Kurt. Yeah, as a Patriots fan when he was over here. It's not a good thing when yeah. Cassius Marsh is playing key snaps for you. Yeah, when he's playing almost 70% of the snaps, you know, that's that's a bad sign for your pass rush at that point. I mean, T.J. Watt, they just they just smothered him on the other side because they knew they didn't have to, to worry about Marsh. You know, Terrell Edmonds was good for a couple of really bad plays like he is every game. Um, you know, that move where, where he got he got worked by Nick Chubb was just the stuff memes are made of. There, there were just some really strange things the defense didn't do. Um, a couple of the long receptions by Jarvis Landry. Um, he was the only receiver on the field. They were in like 13 personnel. And somehow he still got covered, tried to get covered by Robert Spillane. Yeah, they the, love they, doing that, right? Put a linebacker on Landry. Like, uh, yeah. you're scratching your head the whole game. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe and, stop doing that. And he's that. the only receiver on the field. You know, it wasn't like they went five wide and he was forced to take that inside guy. Jarvis Landry was it, and Steven Nelson couldn't run over and cover him. No. You know, he – yeah, it was – it was inex- to me, I know the offense catches a lot of heat. The interceptions are going to be what everybody talks about, but I really think that the defense, they had an opportunity there to to stop Cleveland a couple of times and let the offense, you know, get that game, and they just didn't do it. We should give the Browns a little bit of credit, right? They got, Oh, yeah. They have a good offensive line. They run the football. Baker Mayfield played probably his best game. And they took advantage of every turnover the Steelers gave them. So you yeah. you got to give the yeah. Browns credit. And, Absolutely. And I will say Absolutely. this, too. I don't know how seriously the Steelers really took them. Some of the commentary before the game. And you can just tell after the game how stunned the Steelers were that that scoreboard. They did not think the Browns could beat them. I, I don't think they believed that one bit at home that they would lose to that team. And they were shell-shocked, Kurt, right? They were just yeah. absolutely stunned yeah. that the Browns did that to them. And that was one of my worries, is they were going to be so focused on how close they played them the week before <clears throat> that they wouldn't think about this game in terms of just what the magnitude is. You know, they'd already beaten them 38-7 at home early in the season. They almost beat them on the road with their backups, and I don't, I don't think the players came out and played as hard as they could. I don't think they took it as serious as they could. You know, of course, we have the whole Juju Smith-Schuster debacle again where he decides to, to you know, make some comments that fire up the Browns and, you know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, I, I really don't think that the the Steelers took that game. I give I give so much credit to the, the Browns coaches for a week when they could only practice one day in person and couldn't have their head coach. I mean, to come out with the with the game plan they had on offense and on defense was tremendous. I mean, you have to give them credit for that. They oh, yeah. they, they had a, they had a great plan. They stuck to it. Yeah, I mean, they knew exactly where to go after the Steelers' defense, tight ends across the middle. You know, using Nick Chubb, taking advantage of the of the defensive front that was just gassed. I mean, they didn't have anybody to sub in. And, yeah, I mean, I, I give them all the credit in the world. They definitely earned that win. So, so Kevin Stefanski outcoached Mike Tomlin from his basement is what you're saying, Kurt. Locked, yeah, his, locked yeah. in his basement. I mean, yeah. On so, a 45-second delay. Yeah, exactly. He, so, oh, this kid celebrating upstairs. I read that, too. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's the unbelievable thing. Kevin Stefanski, their head coach and their play caller, locked in his basement because he yeah. tested positive for COVID. And it's the Steelers who come out 
sleepwalking, snapping the football into their own end zone, and just getting down in the blink of an eye. You, you said it, Kurt. If you, if you like, you know, took your time getting dinner, getting ready, you know, you missed, a, you were a couple minutes late to the ball game. Your Steelers were down 14, 21, nothing. It was, it was that yeah. fast. It was, yeah. it was in the blink of an eye. And now we're looking towards a, some uncertainty this offseason. And we already have some oh. news coming out, and that was posted on Steelers Wire. This might be the end, the final run for Marquise Pouncey, right? It, there's reports out there that he might be yep. retiring. And I think yep. there's, a, there's a lot of uncertainty around Ben Roethlisberger. And is he going to retire? He's already said he wants to come back, but his contract situation is tricky. He's got a ridiculous cap hit coming up. Over forty-one million, so the Steelers are gonna—they're gonna have to. You know, we've talked about that at various times throughout the podcast this year, but they're gonna have to do that thing, and they have to decide: do they want Big Ben back? Is that the right thing for them? When, as we have been correctly saying all year, Kurt, he can't challenge defenses down the field anymore. They just don't respect it, and yep. it is what it is. He can't move, and I think on that botch snap to start the game. The quarterback is the one who's supposed to get that ball, right? I mean, every other quarterback in the league can get that football. And watching Ben run after that fumbled football as it was bouncing towards the end zone was painful. It was painful to watch him go for it. He didn't uh, go on the turf. It was like, man. I wanted to say it was a business decision, but I don't (laughs) think he had any choice. Yeah. You know, any other player slaps that out of the back of the end zone. He couldn't even get down to the turf. He couldn't even get to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was tough. so that part that part worries me, right? I mean, he is going to whether you figure out a restructure or something, uh, he's going to be a large portion of your salary next year. That just is what it is, and and yeah. I don't know if the, I don't know if the Steelers feel comfortable enough in Mason Rudolph to to let Ben go. I I really don't. So that that's an interesting storyline as we head into the offseason. But do you want to move? Do you want Big Ben back? Yes, he could throw for five hundred yards, and I will say this, Kurt. 500 yards is a that's a bad number to get to as a quarterback because I remember Ugh. Tom Brady threw for 500 in that Super Bowl loss to the Eagles too so bad things happen when you have to throw for 500 yards we'll just put it that way yeah, well you look back to the last time the Steelers were in the playoffs he had a huge throwing game and the Jaguars beat him there it I is. mean when they when they ask him to just shoulder the offense like that typically it, it doesn't end well I mean it just really doesn't so we know Ben can throw with accuracy. We know he can do that quick passing game thing that still works in today's NFL just fine. But we also know that defenses aren't respecting the deep ball, and he can't move. And it's painful to watch him try to move around. He's not QB sneaking. Like There's just none of that in their offense. And when you're comparing it to the modern-day NFL and what quarterbacks are doing, and you look across you know, the quarterbacks that are left in the league right now, Teams either have a quarterback that can move or a package of players they bring in who can move, right? And uh, the Steelers just don't have that, and they refuse to use Dobbs. I was was very upset to see you tweet that he was inactive. And uh, (laughs) so I don't know. So what do you think? Like, What's your gut reaction to Roethlisberger and and his future and what the Steelers do there? You know, I kind of looked at some options. I mean, a lot of people are saying that Ben needs to retire, and I get that. And he may. I mean, he's always said – He's going to stay in the league as long as Pouncey. Pouncey's always said, I'm staying in the league as long as Ben does. You know, Ramon Foster's saying right now that Pouncey's about 50-50. If, if Pouncey retires, it won't shock me if Ben follows. That leaves the Steelers on the hook for about $21 million in dead money. Same thing if they release him, so there's really no benefit one way or the other. I personally would like to see them bring Ben back and, and give him a contract extension. I'd like to see him do two or three years, first two years, pretty low base salary, 
give him some bonus so it doesn't eat up the cap and then have an out in that third year. You, you got a guy who can come back and mentor a, a young quarterback, whether it's Mason Rudolph or Joshua Dobbs or a rookie, but it, it's the best way to get the most significant cap relief for what Roethlisberger is, is making now. Like you said, $41 million is his cap hit. And, uh, you know, that's that's a, an insane number. It's they not, they not pushed feasible. as much money. No, well, And they pushed as much money as they can to the end of this deal. Yep. They can't really do a decent restructure. They can only save a few million because he with his years in the league, his base, I think, is only around $4 million for next year. So there really isn't a whole lot of money to be saved on a, on a restructure. Now, he could take a flat pay cut. He could go in, you know, the CBA has that built in. He could, he could just do a pay cut and, and save the team about $17 million. Is he going to do that? I don't think so. I I mean, I, I'm not sure that I would if I were him. So, so really, if he stays, it, it kind of depends on what he's, what he's coming back for. He knows his team is about to rebuild. He knows that the, the offensive line is about to get overhauled. Um, he knows the defense has got several spots that are going to have new faces. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see eight new starters next year on, on both sides of the ball when it's all said and done because there are just so many free agents that they're not going to be able to bring back. And so, you know, what's he, what's he coming back to do? Is he coming back to, to help with the kind of cushion this rebuild? Um, because I think if he's coming back with the intention of winning a Super Bowl, I, I think realistically he knows better than to think this team's going to be a Super Bowl contender next year with all the losses they're going to have. And he's not going to get any younger. He's not going to suddenly become more mobile. I mean, he's in, he, by all accounts, he looks like he's in great shape. He just can't move and he just can't be counted on to, to throw that deep ball with any accuracy. And so I, I think if you're the Steelers, you sit down with him and you, you ask him if he wants to do a contract extension so they can lower their cap number for the next two years and try to retain a few guys, um, maybe maybe sign up a player or two, you know, get through the draft, and then just see what they have in Mason Rudolph and Joshua Dobbs. You know, the, Mason Rudolph looked a lot better this year in his in his one game than he did all of last season. So maybe maybe the lights come on for him a little bit. You know, maybe they they want to, or or maybe he showed them just enough that they're not going to make a move and we're going to be stuck with him. I mean, that could be the the other side of it here's where we're at Kurt. we're not talking about the next opponent we're talking about the future which is a bummer it's a bummer after you start 11 and 0 <laughs> 11 and 0 how'd we get here so we'll continue yeah. talking about that and as kurt said a lot of big name free agents that the steelers have to deal with and make decisions on i want to get kurt's take on that as well we'll do that all coming up next but first here's some sports betting advice we'll be right back it's that time again for the line of the week the inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by Jeff Clark to break down the NFC Divisional Round game this weekend between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints. The Saints, three-and-a-half-point home favorites, Minus 105 odds to win by at least four points. The Bucks getting three and a half points on the road. Minus 115 odds for them to cover. Jeff, who are you taking in the battle 
of Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Give me Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. I'll lay the three and a half. Uh, this is shaping up to be a pros versus Joes game with more of the money coming in on the Saints, but more of the tickets or bets being placed on the Buccaneers. The money column is generally the sharp side. Also, I think the Saints are a more well-rounded team. They, uh, Michael Thomas is the reigning offensive player of the year. Alvin Kamara is in the conversation for 2020 offensive player of the year and their defense i believe is more stout than tampa bay's i'm on the other side of that give me the bucks with the i think they even they may even win outright plus 140 money line bet brady looked great last week against a very good washington pass rush have a little bit easier time against the saints this week give me the bucks so kurt i do want to talk about the upcoming free agents for the steelers here but real quick you mentioned juju smith schuster juju's a free agent he, yes. And he's due a pay raise. You know, he hasn't really made his money yet, so he's going to be looking for some money. So that's going to be an interesting one for the Steelers. And Juju is a polarizing figure, right? I think he that's just the best way to describe him. With the TikTok dances on the logos and, as you mentioned earlier, you know, him kind of downplaying the Browns, crapping on the Browns and his pregame thing. And he just has this thing where he likes to motivate the other team. And it's just not a good idea. Like, I wish he would just stop doing that. That's just, yeah. he's got to get that out of his game. And I just feel like the leaders on your team, and I think Juju has a chance to be a leader on this team if they do bring him back. You need your leaders to kind of, I don't know, there needs to be kind of an attitude adjustment. There just seems like the Steelers this year, starting 11-0, and they kind of are the definition of a front runner, right? They they were great when things were going well, but as soon as things started going against them against Washington, it kind of circled the drain. They couldn't really get it back. They played like one good half of football against the Colts that second half, yeah. and really it was crap from that point forward. So they are just the definition of a front-running team. They need an attitude adjustment, Kurt. So I, I agree with you. I think this roster is going to look a lot different next year, but I don't know, man. They got to they gotta figure that thing out. They got to like purge that or something. They, they got to figure out that the attitude they gotta start saying the right thing and doing the right thing because i'm not sure they had that thing this year and i think that's a big reason why we're talking about what we're talking about right now yeah i I think that you know we're we're all free and clear of the um antonio brown and Le'Veon bell situations but now it's just become the next situation you know the the next the next factor that's costing these guys focus and you can have your cam haywards and your ben roethlisberger's and your guys who come into every game like they it might be their last and have to you know have to be fully committed to it but if you've got four or five guys on the team that just aren't there and they're guys you rely on it's really tough to pick that up i mean that's you know you've got juju who I love what he does. I mean, I'm, I live your life, young man. You know, be be what you're going to be. But on Sundays, give everything you've got. And I'm not sure that many fans perceived him as always being as prepared as he needed to be. I'm not necessarily saying that's how I felt. I felt, you know, he caught 97 passes this year. I love him on you the know, field. I think he's nailed. I, I mean, think he comes up. I think big. he was consistent. You know, when everybody was dropping passes, he wasn't one of them. Um, I think I think his play has, has never been impacted by his his lifestyle off the field. I think where the biggest problem is is that it it tends to uh, it, you know it for, well for one thing it, it, it inflames opposing teams. I think we can put that aside at this point. Any debate, yeah. you know, I think there was a lot Absolutely. of discussion about whether or not the Bills 
really cared about what he did, and people tried to downplay that. Well, I think since then we figured out pretty quickly that it matters. I mean, I think I think that the if if the the Browns the way they handled it wasn't the uh, the the final straw of that. Um, I think we can all sort of put aside the argument that that you know professional football teams they they probably shouldn't need bulletin board material to get get up to play a little harder but they do and they use it and so i think we we learn pretty quickly that that's a that's a real thing you know he's out there doing tiktok dances when they're down 48 29 on the field yeah you know i mean that's you know even in, in that moment you just couldn't resist just just couldn't resist and so i worry you know he's kind of like a lot of the free agents james connor's another one bud dupree's another one didn't really have the seasons that you expected. So are they really going to command the money that you thought they might? Are they going to have to leave? Um, I think Juju's going to get a raise, no doubt. But I don't think – I don't know if his season is going to price him out of, you know, put him in a top 10 sort of wide receiver salary bracket at this point. If it isn't, is he a guy that the Steelers will go after? Or are they happy with who they have left? You know, as much as I hate to say it, you know, you see the influence of, of Juju Smith-Schuster on Chase Claypool a little bit already. A hundred percent. I was gonna. I, I don't want to cut you off, I, but even even a guy like Deontay, who uh, Deontay yeah. has a chance to be a superstar. He's so freaking oh, yeah. talented, but he can't catch the ball half the time. And Claypool, yeah. you could just see the look on his face. He he does like this is what I'm talking about. Like on the field, Juju, I love. He is nails. He comes yeah. up with every third down. Like, you know, Ben will target him on third downs. He comes up with that catch. He's the man on the field. He's a badass. But his and, attitude and off it is like it does it. These young receivers, you can see it, Kurt. It's like uh, they take after him, and, and, and they, he doesn't. Yeah. And, and he plays with no ego. Like my, my daughter made the comparison when we were watching the game that he runs like a rhinoceros when he catches the ball. <laughs> I love There's it. There's no flash. He puts his head down. He secures the football, and he just plows through guys till he hits the ground. He's a badass. He's not trying to backtrack. He's not trying to. You know, he doesn't give up ground to try to break a run for 30 yards. Um, he, he's a rhino. He just he's he knows where the sticks are and he's going to move the chains. And that's that's great. I mean, I wish all those guys could kind of learn from that. You know, when I see Claypool catch a, an eight yard play and give up four yards backtrack and trying to get around some guys and, you know, make a move and and Deontay Johnson dropping the ball, dropping a pass because he's looking up field before he. Uh, before he secured the football and stuff, I'm like, that's just things Juju doesn't do. And so it's it's hard to imagine that he's going to go play somewhere else because wherever he goes, uh, he's going to help a team. And, you know, and I, I it's it's tough. It's tough to watch how hard he plays and how great he is on the field and then kind of balance that with all the other stuff. I just don't know how the front office is going to look at that when it's time to decide if he should get another contract. That's so interesting because the one position that you're not worried about is wide receiver, right? The Steelers are yeah. loaded at wide receiver. And I'm sure they'll draft a couple more, Kurt, that'll be freaking yeah. studs in twenty in you know in April. So yeah. uh, I'm sure. So for me, it's uh, yeah, Juju is a big name on this list, but I I look I think Bud Dupree is you mentioned him. I think he's the name, man. Like uh, yeah, I think. Man, did the Steelers miss him. I almost think like that's oh. that's something that we can look at. The team kind of struggled down the stretch, and he is – I think I called him like the heartbeat of the defense, and I just believe yeah. – he's just one of those guys. I think we would say maybe – I think we said at the time, top three guys you can't lose, and you lost yeah. one of your big three in Bud Dupree, and yeah. I think they missed him. Maybe, as you said, with the injury and, and all that, maybe they can get him back at a reasonable price or whatever, but 
uh, what do you think? Should he be a priority? Because he is kind of a stealer. It'd be weird to see. He him would be my top priority. Same, I mean, if there's same. a guy I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in on, it's gonna be him. You know, we've they've got a chance to save seven or eight million bucks if they release Vance McDonald. I would do that in a second if I felt like you could put that money toward Bud Dupree. Um, Joe, Joe Hayden could they could save eight million. I love Joe Hayden, but he has a hard time staying on the field. I mean, he's good, but yeah, if there's a guy I'm going to sort of sort of rally around as far as money goes, it's Dupree. Every time you saw Chubb run away from T.J. Watt, you saw Watt chasing down from behind. Most of his tackles for loss are getting all the way up the line of scrimmage, but when they ran at Watt and they doubled Watt, there was nobody to catch him on the backside. And that's something Dupree had done all season. Just those little things like that that you just can't imagine how a defense can't figure out a way to, to, to you know fill in that gap. But they never could. They never could when Dupree went down. They've replaced a lot of guys in that starting lineup this year who got hurt. But they have never found an adequate replacement for Dupree. And I don't see one coming on the roster now or in the draft unless they were to draft somebody in the first round. And I think with their problems on the offensive line, they just can't afford to draft a, I mean, a dresser in the first round. Yeah, I would love to see Dupree back. Uh, yeah. And yeah, and Chubb. Oh my! He is so freaking good, Kurt. He is so oh. good. I don't think anyone has the vision of Nick Chubb. He is just so freaking good, and uh, he killed yeah. the Steelers. He did. He killed them. He did. So man, so I guess they, we wrap up twenty twenty by just this was an epic collapse. It was. They were eleven and zero. I yep. I had the audacity, Kurt, to come on here and you tried to slow me down. You're like, no, 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 no. And I was like, Kurt. <laughs> I was like, Kurt, sixteen and zero. Kurt, undefeated regular season. <laughs> And you were you were trying to fan the you're trying to say no 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 don't do it, and uh, I couldn't help myself. They were the Steelers were such an intriguing team. I knew they had some issues, but to to see them lose five of six, to see them get bounced in the wild card round at home like that in in kind of an embarrassing way. There's just no way we could have seen that coming when they were 11 and 0 going into that game against Washington. And uh, I think it's a failure. It's a collapse. Right. It's just that's what it is. It is. And you and Mike Tomlin probably said it best after the game Sunday night in the press conference, he was asked about, you know, why weren't you able to sort of turn it around um, six weeks ago? You know, when you first first had your first loss and he said, we just kind of died on the vine. You could just see him getting a little worse in different areas every week. Um, And and they, they went one in five in their last six games. But honestly, that the one win they had, they basically played about a quarter and a half of good football. I mean, it wasn't Agreed. down twenty. It wasn't like they they outplayed the Colts. They just they just played better at the end. And so, I don't know. I I think that at some point, Mike Tomlin's going to have to sit down and admit that sometimes you can't just assume it didn't work this week, but it's going to work next week. I mean, that's kind of his mentality. Is you, you hear that a lot from him, where it's uh a case where, you know, we, we just didn't execute well enough, but we don't feel a need to make any drastic changes. That was what we heard a lot of. No, we just, if we would have executed, if we would have just executed on possession downs or whatever it may be, I think at this point they have to look at the, the overall philosophy of the offense, overall philosophy of the defense and decide, is the message getting old? Do we need to make a change? Um, and I hope, you know, tomorrow when Mike Tomlin comes and speaks at his first postseason presser of the year we we maybe get a little insight on on what their plans are i know steelers fans can't wait to hear him say they're they're firing randy feekner but i don't think (laughs) they're going to get that lucky so yeah we'll see there's some decisions to be made on the roster the coordinators all that so uh just for some housekeeping this is episode 20 of the steelers wire podcast the first season of it 
And we're wrapping up 2020 today, Kurt. Unfortunately, I've had a blast talking yep. to you every week and breaking this thing. Great. It's been a fun time. So we're going to take a little break and then we'll officially start talking about 2021 in March. We'll come back. We'll start talking free agency and we'll start talking the draft. So that's kind of our plan going forward. Sound good to you, Kurt? Sounds great. Yeah, it's been a blast. So we appreciate all the Steelers fans that hung with us all season long. It has been great. We were hoping for a little bit of a longer playoff run, Kurt. We didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. We didn't get it, but uh, whatever. The podcast has been fun. The Steelers are always interesting. I'm looking forward to jumping back on in March and talking about all the things that are going on with the Steelers. And I'm sure in the next month and a half, Kurt, there'll be plenty to talk about. We'll have plenty to uh, catch up on. So, yeah, uh, definitely. So I can't wait. So, so for Kurt, thanks for joining us this year, and we will talk to you in March. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.